Welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, Industry Updates for the Modern Dairy Family. I'm Darby Toth, the Technical Field Services Representative with Western United Dairies. And I'm Melissa Lima. I'm the North Coast and Organic Field Services Representative with Western United Dairies. And we're here today with a little witty banter for everyone. <laughs> I was I was just thinking I don't feel very witty on Fridays, Darby. How about you? Yeah, me either. It's it's a stretch. Maybe on Monday I'd be witty, but I'm not sure about a Friday. I know. I, I think we're um, you know, two thirds of the way through June here already. We're we're winding through this year pretty quick, thank goodness. This year of twenty twenty is is one we're ready to get over with. But um, I think we're all, everybody's kind of busy. The summer busy season has is definitely on in full force. So maybe they'll forgive us a little for not being too witty today. Yeah, everybody down here, I think, has been uh, trying to take advantage of the cool weather before the next week of hot weather hits. So I think everybody's been pretty busy in the spirit of our weekly weather updates, at least. I know. I was just thinking about weather. You guys are going to get heat next week and we're going to get like 71 to 75 and I was like, woohoo, it's going to be a heat wave in Ferndale, <laughs> but nothing like the heat wave you're going to see down in the South Valley. So, well, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. You're welcome to come up and enjoy our fog anytime. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll visit when it gets really bad in August and everybody's really ready to be done. All right. Well, we have an episode this week that I'm pretty excited about. We talked with Annie for our weekly market update. Melissa, you got to talk to Jason and uh, hear a little bit about what's going on in Sacramento. I had a great conversation, short and sweet, with Paul about some upcoming deadlines. And then I also got to chat with our newest board member, Darlene Itzinga. Yeah, and I'm excited for that interview with Darlene. She has some great perspective, and she's also a lot wittier and funnier (laughs) than us today. But I'm excited to hear from Darlene, and I think we'll jump right in with Annie. Well, it's another market update on seen and heard and another one with a lot of good news. So this is definitely a nice change from just a couple months ago where things were not looking so good. And so if we look at the cheese price, really, it has been shooting up, you know, going from May averaging close to $1.30 for June right now, the average is over $2 for USDA prices. And so it's a significant jump that we've seen just in the matter of a few weeks. And all of it is really based on the crazy enthusiasm that has been occurring at the CME. And so even though our USDA price is just over $2, CME is still even higher um, in the two fifty dollars per pound range. I'm talking about blocks and barrels, both above uh, $2. So specifically, the USDA block price at two sixteen and the barrel um, just at uh, $2.09 per pound. And so just gains over 25 or 30 cents in a matter of one week, something that is definitely helpful for uh, producer's paycheck. And so a lot of you have probably received your May statement, which um, was not good, the lowest that we've seen in, in 2020 and really in a long time. Uh, but if we're going to look at a June where we're at so far, uh, it's going to be an increase probably in the four to five dollar range if, if things continue the way they are. And so this is really helpful to see this this uh, turn of events in uh, cheese prices. Now I mentioned cheese butter also has been going up. If we look at the USDA price, it gained twenty two cents this week and it reached a dollar eighty two per pound. Um, you know the increase might not be as steep as cheese, but it's still very impressive. 
However, for butter, this might be the top of the hill uh, because if we look at the CME, it seems like the prices there ran out of steam and they're about the same level as the USD prices. And so since both uh, price series tend to track each other, um, we might see a little bit less increases in the butter price in the next few weeks. Um, and if we look also outside our border, uh, the latest butter price average at the global dairy trade auction was $1.63. And so still below where the U.S. Um, is at. And we observed something similar to uh, for cheese. I didn't mention that earlier, but the average cheddar price um, at the GDT was $1.65. And so in general, the U.S. prices uh, behavior right now of going up is, is not trending with what's happening outside um, our borders. And so the how uh, sustainable it is and how that's going to impact our exports certainly is of concern as we uh, go into longer term. But for the short term, we'll take the increase and how that's going to impact your paycheck directly. Um, the least volatile of dairy commodities lately, the non-fat dry milk price has still continued to move up slowly. Um, we had a gain of two cents Price at 90 cents per pound, so nothing uh, great here, but at least, you know, moving up. If we're looking at the CME, it's a dollar three pound yesterday. So we still have a room to go up on USDA pricing. Um, but if we look outside our border, the powder price actually is faring better outside the U.S. And so that's encouraging that, you know, our price still has a lot of room to grow without um, impacting the, the trade issue. And so if we look at the latest skim milk powder price average at the GDT, uh, it gained three cents to $1.18 per pound. And so higher than where we're at in the U.S., the milk production report was also released this week. Um, we saw a decline in national production by 1.1% uh, in May. And so that was, um, you know, some, somewhat expected due to all the slowdown in production that were forced on producers in April, finally kind of caught up in May. Um, California was down 1.5% in line with the national average. Uh, some states were down more than others, especially if we look at the, uh, you know, top five dairy states. Wisconsin was down 3.1%. But some states were still up, like Idaho, for example, was up an impressive 4.8% in, in May. A state like Texas, which has been growing at rates between 6 and 9% for the past few years, was up just 1.9% in May. So for Texas, just one9 is really the lowest um, gain it has seen in, in a really long time. Uh, in fact, since it has been in the top five dairy states. And so this concludes the market update for this week. And I'll pass it back on to our hosts. Thank you and talk next week. Well, thanks for that update, Annie. And we're going to head into a Sacramento update with Jason and Melissa. Thanks so much, Darby. As Darby mentioned, I'm here with Jason Bryant, Western United Dairies Director of Legislative Affairs up in Sacramento. Welcome back to the podcast, Jason. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Jason, there's a lot of fascinating, interesting things going on all over our state the past few months, but in particular interest to our listeners is the passage of the state budget this week. And so you have a wealth of information for us about all the particulars that went into that process. Yeah, you bet. Happy to share uh, kind of what's going on and, and uh, fascinating and, and challenging too. Um, that's certainly, um, I think, the feeling of most lawmakers and the governor as they are working towards passage of the state budget, which occurs uh, in June every year. Um, and at the heart of the budget discussions between the legislature and the governor 
is how to close a significant budget deficit that the state is experiencing that has been marked uh, up to about $54 billion. Um, you know, just, um, you know, just six months ago, Governor Newsom in his January budget proposal was uh, projecting a budget surplus in the 2020-21 uh, budget year. Right. But of course, um, as we all know, the impacts of COVID-19 on both state and local economies has been severe, um, frankly, uh, severe to the national and worldwide economy. Um, that has certainly uh, decreased revenues for businesses. Um, everybody listening to this podcast knows that uh, full well. It's also de decreased revenues for um, our local special district and state governments. Um, and you compound that with the fact that the state had to increase spending in a number of critical areas in order to respond to the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, you have um, a real difficult situation fiscally. Uh, you've got uh, reducing revenues pulling from one direction and then um, a a, an increase in spending to respond to COVID right. pulling in the other direction, which exacerbates the problem. And it all happened really overnight. Yeah. Um, as, as, as recent as February, we were talking about the surplus. Um, here in mid-June, they're talking about how to deal with the structural deficit. So it's been a challenge. Um, one thing that the legislature and the governor agree on um, with respect to the budget is that it's going to depend on largely on um, whether or not Congress can pass a, um, a stimulus bill and a bailout package uh, for states like California and many others who are experiencing the same situations with respect to spending uh, and the economic impacts of COVID. Um, we are hopeful that Congress can act in order to uh, understand what proceeds the state would realize. Uh, but certainly um, the legislature and the governor are depending largely on those, uh, uh, those funds coming from the federal government to help shore up the deficit. Sure. And why that's important for dairy producers is that, you know, when the, when the state budget sees um, a significant deficit, there are two options. Really one is to, uh, is to decrease spending, cut programs, um, uh, cut services um, significantly in this case, and or um, pairing that with tax increases or fee increases or increases to the regulatory uh, work that so many of uh, listening to this uh, podcast probably uh, understand uh, very well. And so those are things we want to, to avoid uh, at all costs if we possibly can. And so depending on federal money uh, as a way to, to shore up the deficit is something that I think uh, is important. Uh, they depend, both the legislature and the governor depend heavily on that in their budget plan. Um, so we shall see um, in the coming months whether or not Congress acts and to, if they do, what extent can California realize some of those proceeds as a way to uh, shore up the budget deficit. So what can dairy producers expect, or do we have an idea at this point, Jason, of what they might be expecting to see as far as budgetary cuts that could affect their businesses? Yeah, so far, because the legislature is looking ahead at the congressional action, so far right now, most of the cuts that have been discussed have been uh, postponed. Okay. Uh, Governor Newsom's proposed spending cuts largely to social services and education um, and other uh, core state services have been deferred. Uh, the legislature was much more aggressive in wanting to see those deferments uh, till later in the fall. 
Governor Newsom wanted to see them triggered soon, sooner than later. And it appears, as of, actually as of this morning, that the legislature and the governor will come in next week into session, uh, unscheduled, uh, and they will vote on a, a secondary budget agreement, which bridges the gap between the two uh, parties. And so okay. uh, I think that, that most cuts will be avoided in, in the short term. And again, um, that helps insulate uh, folks who depend on on programs and services, but also I think protects um, um, business groups, uh, those on, those that are regulated by the state, regulated by different departments and agencies, from potentially seeing uh, emergency um, action by way of a fee and, okay. and uh, regulatory costs. And so for now, there is nothing significant to report, and that's good news. Yeah. Um, for those that are that are regulated by the state. Okay, good. Yeah, that's where dairymen. I think typically take the biggest hit, at least in my time with Western I've seen is those fee increases and they're very like come up and they're very hefty a lot of times. And they're kind of come as a surprise, which doesn't help with business continuity. So, well, they may not make sense. You know, they they see them and they go, why, why is it, you know, nothing's changed for me, but why is the fee going up? For sure. And so we'll keep um, um, a watchful eye on any of that action. Uh, Should that be the case, if the state is looking to raise revenue and we will push back, strongly unless there is a reason to increase the fee because of the activity that is taking place or that's being regulated. Uh, there should be a nexus and, and we'll fight for that. Great. Well, thanks uh, for all your hard work on that front, Jason. Is there anything yeah, sure. else our members should know about this budget that might affect them? Yeah. Yeah. There's one other item that I wanted to, to reach out and, and, and describe to this um, and through this podcast. And that has to do with the state's cap and trade program. Um, you know, in January, we knew um, basically what the cap and trade program was going to look like from a funding standpoint. And there's two critical components of the cap and trade program that is important for dairy producers. And one is the the, the uh, diesel engine replacement program, which is called the farmer program. Mm-hmm. And secondly, is the safe drinking water program, which uh, is funded through the cap and trade program. And obviously, thirdly, is the methane reduction program, which helps support uh, methane reduction projects throughout the state, whether they be um, um, digester projects or alternative manure management programs. Uh, Those are three core programs that the dairy industry has negotiated and been involved in to ensure that those resources are available uh, to uh, support uh, reduction in emissions in the industry. Um, Those funds, because the cap and trade program has largely been defunded uh, this year because of a lack of money in the program because credits are not uh, being purchased at the rate in which they were purchased under a normal economic condition. Mm-hmm. The program is now a pay-as-you-go program. And so we will know more about what funds are available uh, after July, August, and into the fall uh, when we know what proceeds um, can be had through the program. And so the, the bad news is, is that we don't have a budget um, meaning we don't know what resources are available in the cap and trade program. The okay. good news for our members, though, is, is that those three categories, um, uh, at least at least two out of the three are certainly going to be funded if there is going to be resources. And the first one is safe and affordable drinking water. That's critical to ensuring uh, communities that have uh, don't have access to clean drinking water can tap into state funds in order to improve their community water district. Um, infrastructure to deliver that safe drinking water to its constituencies. And the second program is the uh, engine diesel replacement program, 
which has also been prioritized. So when that money is available, those programs will uh, benefit from those resources. And that's critical. Uh, Those are critical policies for, for Western. For sure. Okay, Jason. Well, thanks so much for taking time this crazy week to, to visit with us and give us an update. And we'll be, um, you know, leaning on you here in the next several weeks to, as we move through the process to hear a little bit more about what's going on. Well, thanks for the time. And I know it's a bit technical. Uh, we live in a technical world in, 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 the, in Sacramento. Uh, so I'm always happy to answer questions for those that have interest in, in what's going on. So thanks for the opportunity. Talk yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jason. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, Jason, again, for joining us on the podcast this week. And we look forward to hearing some more updates throughout the summer. Now we're going to jump into a little chat Darby and Paul had about some upcoming uh, regional water quality deadlines. Today on the podcast, we have our Director of Environmental Affairs, Paul Souza. Paul, I hear you have an update for us on a due date that's uh, fast approaching. Yeah, uh, so for dairies in the Central Valley, their annual reports to the Water Board are due July 1st. And I know, you know, this has become very routine for dairies and they all know that. Uh, But starting this year, we also, that also includes facilities covered under the bovine order. And this would include calf ranches and heifer ranches and feedlots, beef feedlots, for those folks that are newly covered under that order. So for some folks, this is brand new and maybe a good reminder um, that, you know, there's an annual report due. But for dairies even, uh, the Water Board and others uh, besides the Water Board have been taking a closer look at these annual reports. So it's important that the reports be correct and accurate. Uh, as an example of this, the applied to removed nitrogen ratios for crops that fall outside of a specific range are drawing attention from the Water Board and should be explained in the report. Can you let our listeners know what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the applied to remove nitrogen ratio compares how much nitrogen was applied to the crop versus how much was harvested with the crop. This lets the water board know if the amount of nitrogen potentially lost to the environment falls outside of their regulatory requirements. Uh, For most crops that require nitrogen applications, so this would not include alfalfa, the water board expects that nitrogen ratio to fall between a 0.6 and a 1.4. We're all familiar with that 1.4 nitrogen ratio. This means that at least 60% of the nitrogen that was removed in the harvest was applied to the crop and not more than 140% of the nitrogen harvested was applied. If you get values outside of that range, you should first check that there were no errors made in entering the data. And secondly, if you found that everything was entered correctly, you should explain the reason why that crop falls outside of the expected range in the endnotes section. So you help so many of our members with so many things. Is there a way that you help our members with this on their own annual reports? Yeah, sure. Uh, So I've been doing this for a while. I get uh, different amounts of takers, but I offer always to our members uh, the opportunity to review their annual reports. So I don't do annual reports. Uh, You know, we used to do that, uh, but we don't do that anymore. Uh, But I still would offer to review an annual report that either a dairyman completed himself or maybe had a consultant do and kind of go through them and look for those red flags uh, before they submit them uh, to let them know if I see anything, you know, that that may be an issue with the water board. Uh, If members would like to do that, they can contact me either on my uh, cell phone directly, and that's area code 209-556-2490, or by email at paul at wudairies.com. 
I'm always happy to talk with our members and, um, you know, explain these things and help keep them out of trouble. Well, as always, we appreciate your help, Paul. Thanks for the update. Sure. Anytime. And uh, stay cool out there. <laughs> we'll try. Thanks. Sure. Well, thanks again, Paul. And I'm excited to introduce all of our listeners to Darlene Itzinga. All right. I'm here with one of the newest members of our board, Darlene Itzinga. Um, Darlene, we're really happy that you're coming on the pod today. Can you tell us a little bit about your family and your background and where you're from? Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. You guys have been doing a great job and it's such a great listen um, every week just to kind of catch up and know what's going on in your guys' lives as well. So I'm Darlene Itzinga. I'm the newest board member and first female in quite a while, I think. So that's pretty exciting to get to share. Um, I'm originally from Chino, California, and now I'm from Bilitsinga Dairy in Hanford, California. Um, have been working on the dairy my whole life, um, studied dairy science at Fresno State, did the Dairy Challenge, did Western's Dairy Leadership Program, which is a great program, and um, now I work in as a dairy account manager for an insurance company four days a week and for my family every other hour of that week. <laughs> um, I love the dairy industry. I love working alongside my dad and brother. Um, I just, it's such a family-oriented business, and we just really enjoy working together with our animals and caring for them. Yeah, I know. I feel like your dad has you running around quite a bit yeah. now that you started working for him a little bit more. Yeah, Bill keeps me very busy. <laughs> there hasn't been any fights yet, but yeah, we, we have a lot of fun together out there. I look forward to Fridays. I work all day on the dairy with my dad and we just have so much fun. When my alarm goes off on Fridays, I'm up and ready to go just because it's going to be such a great day spending time with my dad doing what we love. Your dad's a blast. We definitely have to catch him on the podcast sometime. <laughs> you definitely do. He would love that. <laughs> so do you have some good insights into why you think your family has been WED members for as long as they have? Or what kind of value you think the organization brings to individual members and the industry as a whole? Yeah, WED has just, they're such a great organization, be, or you guys are, <laughs> because you just help us out with so much. I mean, we have to focus on our cows and our feed and our costs and our production and quality. And so when we receive letters and, you know, government letters and regulations and all this stuff just coming at us, it's so much to deal with. And so Wood really helps us kind of break those down of like, okay, this is important. This is what you need to do. Like right now, um, Paul is being so great with all the CV salts regulations and just kind of guiding us to, all right, this is what you need to fill out and do. And, you know, we'll, we'll help you out with it. Another reason I love Wood is um, they're really hands-on with our government and public affairs, which is so great because that's another thing. Us dairy farmers who are on the dairy every day just don't really have time to keep track of all these bills getting published and sent through to state bills and assembly bills and for you guys to be on top of them and really reading into each bill and how it's going to affect us on the dairy is just so, it's such a relief knowing that you guys are on top of it and that I don't have to worry about it. 
Yeah, it's definitely, I think, an organization that tends to have people that wear a lot more hats than, than people kind of realize. And I think so much of what we care about and what we value is helping our members with those kind of things that you really just don't have the time to deal with or be concerned with. You know, you have your own operations and your own families to worry about. And there's only so many hours in the day you can spend thinking about things. So we really try and help our members with kind of those extra outlier items. Yeah, and I do applaud you guys. You guys do an awesome job. It's something that really um, just relieves us of it. You know, we don't lose sleep over it, which if we didn't have you, I would lose sleep over a lot of that stuff. (laughs) So you mentioned before, um, according to our uh, office's story in Paul, you are one of the first females on the board in quite a long time. Um, How's it been coming on the board as a woman? And do you have any kind of experiences within the industry as you kind of step into a bigger role with the dairy that kind of are different or maybe they're not different being a woman. Do you have any insights on that? As far as the board goes, um, nothing so far, but we've also only had a few meetings since I've been elected onto the board and they haven't been in person. So, but I know that um, I have never felt disrespected yet by anybody and I know you know they all hold me accountable for what I value and stuff um as far as on the dairy I'm very lucky since I was little and had to really beg my dad to let me work on the dairy when I was 10 going forward I really had to prove myself to him and that's shown so over the last 10 years since I've proven myself he really treats me as an equal and you know he's never undermined me because of my gender. So I'm really lucky. Um, like, yeah, I've had encounters where I've felt, um, like undermined because of my gender, but that, you know, as long as you are doing what you love and have a passion for it and show it, like people are going to recognize that and then know what, you know, you know what you're talking about and you know what you're doing. Yeah. I think there's always those moments, but I think like As we move forward, there's so many women that are so deeply involved in the industry. I think it's becoming more and more every day a place where you have equal footing. And as long as you care about what you're doing and you love what you're doing, everybody respects that and they really want to support you. I know I've seen that in my own professional life. Yeah. Like just this morning, I was um, doing vet check and we had someone from Select Sires also out there who's a woman and I just love catching up with her and she teaches me a lot about what she does. And then I was also out there and um, a lady from Fresno Livestock came and brought us our check and donuts. And it's just, so me and her start talking about the dairy and I'm in my head, I'm thinking, wow, like we're just, we're kicking butt, these (laughs) women. Like we know what we're talking about and we're getting stuff done and they're everywhere. So it's, it's really not an issue anymore, I don't think. And that's really something that our nation should be proud of. And I don't think any dairymen should be afraid of because <laughs> we do make really good like animal handlers. Exactly. There's sometimes a little bit more patience yes. that comes yes. along with things. Yes. <laughs> so again, we have so many awesome women in our industry that are, you know, taking stepping up and really taking these leadership roles. And you've done that. Do you have any advice for someone who's maybe thinking about taking a leadership role in one of their organizations and just not quite ready to step up yet or doesn't know how to go about it? Yeah, I mean, my advice to them would just be if you love what you do and you know what you're doing and you know how to do it, who cares what anyone else thinks? Who cares about your gender? 
um, even now in this day and age or color, if you know what you're talking about, like, just go for it. There's, what have you got to lose? Who cares if people think that you shouldn't have that position or have that much um, management over your dairy because you're a female, you know, just prove them wrong. I agree. That's such a good attitude. Well, I've proved many people wrong in my day. <laughs> in my whole how many years of life so far. <laughs> and I'm just getting started. Exactly. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add kind of as we wrap up? Is there anything you kind of like to touch base on with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, um, just for the listeners, like keep supporting your local agencies and agencies like Wood and organizations like that, CMAB. They really do a great job of uh, taking care of the such gold product that we produce and care about it just as much as we do. And it's really nice having people like you guys and organizations like you on our side, especially today with all the hits we seem to take. Um, as far as our market right now, the last few market updates from Annie, I mean, if that doesn't get your make your day and just totally set you up to be happy that day. I know it will. <laughs> Those last few updates from Annie, I'm just like, the, just the best news, you know? So, you know, we had a pretty scary last couple months with COVID and what it's really done to the market. But like anything, um, just take it day by day. I mean, our cows need to be fed and cared for. They need to be milked our workers need to be taken care of just like our land does and you know what goes down must come up which we're starting to see which is so awesome and such a relief so just gotta keep kicking and if you have the passion for it like we all do let's all stick together through it and we'll get through anything well thanks so much again darlene thank you again for having me Okay, well, what a great episode today, Darby. And just to close it out, we're going to come back with our weekly question and answer session. And this week, um, we want to provide an update to our members who have had questions about the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, as our listeners will remember, we did a bonus episode back in April regarding the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program. And then earlier this month, early in June, Congress passed the PPP Flexibility Act, or PPPFA, um, of 2020, which clarifies many of the outstanding questions that I and Darby have been hearing from our members. So just as a quick update, first, Darby, can you share with us a little bit about how the PPPFA handles timelines related to when PPP funds need to be spent? If I can keep all these acronyms straight, then I will. So the PPPFA extends the timelines that recipients of the funds were given to spend their loan from eight weeks to 24 weeks. Businesses can, however, apply for forgiveness after the initial eight weeks if they prefer to, prefer to do so. Great. And that just kind of gives us a little more flexibility um, as to when businesses were able to open or when they're maybe they're in the case of dairy, their prices came back up. So, Darby, what qualifications um, has Congress and the Small Business Administration laid out for forgiveness specifically? Because that's a really hot button issue with my producers. Yeah, so first, it is notable that the PPPFA reduces the requirement for loan recipients to spend 75% of the PPP funds on payroll costs in order to qualify for full loan forgiveness. 
That threshold is now 60%, allowing businesses to use up to 40% of the loan amount for other qualifying expenditures, including forgivable expenses such as rent, mortgage payments, utilities, and loan interest. Also, as of note, the PPPFA states that a business can still receive forgiveness on payroll costs, even if they are unable to rehire their employees by June 30th, 2020, and that extending that deadline now to December 31st of 2020. And the PPPFA states that a business can still receive forgiveness on payroll amounts if it is unable to rehire an individual who was an employee of the eligible receipt on or before February 15th of 2020, is able to demonstrate an inability to hire similarly qualified employees on or before 1231 of 2020, or is able to demonstrate an inability to return to the same level of business activity as such business was operating at prior to February 15th, 2020, due to requirements established by the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, the CDC, or OSHA during the period of March 1st, 2020 through December 31st, 2020, all relating to the COVID-19 epidemic. Interesting. Well, that that's all good news. And then Darby, one last question I've been getting a lot is how long do producers have to repay any portions of their loan that may not be forgiven? So the PPPFA has extended the repayment period for the PPP from an original two-year term to a five-year term at a 1% interest. The first payment will also be deferred six months after the SBA makes a determination on that forgiveness. Good deal. Well, it's it's definitely a little more flexibility, as the title <laughs> tells us, but um, that's really helpful to producers and anybody who applied for those PPP loans. And we just want to give a huge thanks to our friends at Ramundo and Associates for those important updates. Also want to remind our listeners that we're working to have Tony Ramundo join our podcast soon. Um, you know, with summer vacations and everything, it hasn't happened quite yet, but we know he's popular with our listeners and we'd love for you to send questions our way. If you have specific questions that Tony could address on the podcast when he joins us later this summer. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to having him on the podcast. He's such a wealth of information. Before we go today, we want to give a shout out to Wood's awesome staff who has been working tirelessly to keep dairy producers informed and resources available the past few months in light of the COVID-19 epidemic. With that being said, we want to give a reminder that we do have some vacations amongst our staff over the next few weeks, which should not affect any of our business operations, but just in case you're wondering what we may, what we may be up to, the main disruption will be our Lecheros Unidos de California program. Rochelle will be out this week, but Lecheros will be back online in full force to assist all of your labor needs beginning on June 29th. Huge thank you to Annie, Jason, Paul, and Darlene for joining the podcast today. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us. Remember to reach out to us with your questions, comments, and content requests. Our uh, Gmail account for this podcast is wud.pod at gmail.com. You can additionally reach out to either Darby or I. My address is mlema at wudairies.com. Yep, and I'm Darby, D-A-R-B-Y, at wudairies.com. And remember, we would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform to our podcast. And we wish you guys all a great weekend, and we'll see you all next week. The views expressed in this podcast by our guests may not directly reflect the views and or policy positions of the Board of Directors of Western United Dairies. 
We're proud to have many independent thinkers in our midst, but want to remind you that their views and ours may not be shared on certain subjects. Special thanks to Western United Dairy's 2020 business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, F&R Ag Services, Farm Credit Alliance, Moss Energy Works, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information about how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at woodairies.com. That's I-N-F-O at W-U-D-A-I-R-I-E-S dot com. Thank you.